If if you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn to the third chapter of Romans. Romans chapter 3 is what I would call, and I think a thousand people before me would have called, the heart of the gospel. I would venture that this is probably the most important Bible passage for you to know and to understand. If, if we were to know and understand these middle verses in chapter 3 of Romans, I think that we would understand the gospel. And if you understand the gospel, then you understand the Bible because the entire Bible is centered on the gospel. So we are going to look at this um, over the next messages that I bring, uh, and we'll look at this uh, in detail. So we're not going to get very far, probably maybe just one verse, maybe part of a verse. We'll, we'll see how far we can get. But this is Romans chapter 3, verse 21, and going to verse 27. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Father, we ask that you would be our teacher today. Holy Spirit, it's only your job to make believers out of dead men. And I just ask that as we As we look to you, we would believe. As we look into what you've done for us, that we would see the great love in your heart and the power that is uh, worked in Christ for our benefit and for our behalf. Thank you for your great love. Thank you that you so loved the world. Uh, I thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for being the Savior of mankind. And we do not understand you well, and we do not worship you appropriately, but we will. Uh, there will be a day that our tongue will be loosed and we will sing your praises with, with a true, unsinning heart. And we thank you for your great rescue and ask that, that you would build in your church faith um, and that faith turn to love and that love to action, that our community uh, might uh, benefit from all that you are to them. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Romans 3.21 starts with, but now. So it almost is that there was something happening, and then there's something new. So, but now is one of those situations where there was something true of you, but now something different is happening. There is a, there's been a major shift, a complete change. So you can think of it almost like a watershed. You have a tall hill. And every raindrop on this side of the hill will go into this river, and every raindrop on this side of the hill will go into this river. That you could separate a person's life with words like, but now. You could say, there was things true of me, there was things that absolutely were me, but now something is new, something is different, something has changed. 
You could take the Bible and say that God dealt with men, and this was how God dealt with men, but now there has been a great difference, a great change, a great benefit that we now have something that once we did not know we had or didn't possess. So we see that 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 but now is referring to something important. If it's something big enough to change a life, if it's something big enough to change the world, what is it that's that big? And so it says in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. So we're seeing that something has changed about the righteousness of God, and that makes no sense to me at all. The righteousness of God, hmm, it's a very Bible-y word when you say something is righteous. If I were to say something righteous, immediately I can't think of anything in the world that I would use the word righteous from because righteous means I'm conformed to God himself, that there is something like me or something like you or something like someone did that would match something that God would do. There is something that is lining up with God. So the word righteousness just in itself has to be explained that because of that. If we, if we don't use it in everyday context, we need to understand kind of how to put our brains around it. If you were to take um, your right hand and overlay your left hand, it looks like that they match, only everything is completely backwards. This does not overlay at all. This is a complete flip. In fact, if I would put my left hand over my right hand, there'd be no conformity at all. It's the same size. It's the same basic shape, but there's no conformity. It doesn't line up. It doesn't match. If you had a shape that was exactly the same size, exactly the same dimensions, every angle was exactly the same, so you could take one shape and completely overlay it over another, and they would perfectly match. That's the closest word to righteous that there is. Righteousness is perfect conformity in every dimension to something else. So if you think of like two angles being the same, to the same measurement, that's kind of the idea where righteousness is coming from. But you don't use the, you don't use the word righteous in geometry. You don't say two angles are righteous to each other. You're only talking about something referring to God. So in some ways, righteousness of God is something that's conforming to God. But this says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. Which is even more puzzling to me because that means that God's righteousness is that he lines up with himself perfectly. And you would scratch your head and say, well, that makes no sense. You're saying God acts like God. Of course he does because he's God. But see... You have to say that that is something very unique. Only God lines up to God that way. I don't line up to myself that way. I doubt at all that you line up to yourself that way. If you were to say, here's my character, this is the person I am, this is the things I like, these are the things I want, these are my values, these are the things that are important to me, these are the things that I consider sacred, I don't live up to that. There are things true of me that I blow every day of my life that in no way do I act like myself. I'm completely inconsistent to myself. But God is righteous in that he is never inconsistent with his own character. So if you were to define righteousness theologically, 
Righteousness, essentially, is a divine attribute, something that is true of God, in which that it describes the character of God as being that he is always, 100% of the time, consistent with his own character, that he's never, ever bendy. He never, ever deviates. He never looks the other way. He always is who he is. I have, um, in one of my classes, one of my students writes me notes at the bottom of his homework. I think he started because he wasn't sure if I actually graded his homework. So he wrote me a note kind of embedded in the jibber-jabber at the bottom of the page, and he just wrote me a note, and I'd write him a note back. So we have, like, this pen pal relationship. He wrote me a note once that said, uh, brain teaser, what if there was a God, and he had a little G God, what if there was a God who could do anything? Is there anything that God could not do? I don't know. I, th- I don't really think he was engaging in a theological discussion. I think he was trying to be funny. But this is how I answered it. I said, as far as I understand God, God never does not act exactly like God. And that is why God is righteous. I, on the other hand, never act perfectly consistent with my personality, which makes me very unrighteous. Now, specifically, if I wanted to be theological with him, I said, I never conform with God's character, which makes me unrighteous. Because the word righteous has everything to do with God as the standard. God is the the shape with the angles and the lines. And anything that lines up perfectly with him is righteous. Anything that does not line up with him is unrighteous. And I am unrighteous. We are fallen. That's a big problem that we have. Even though that we're redeemed, I have a heart that has been changed, and I don't understand it. I have no understanding why that my desires have changed from things that at one time I absolutely loved and would fight for and would parade over just like all the other paraders, that these are the things I think are important that had nothing at all to do with God's character. But God did something. He arrested me. He grabbed my heart. Why? I don't know. But he showed me himself. He showed me my condemned uh, stance, my, my status. And he showed me a savior. And when I looked to him and believed, there is a difference in me, a difference in my heart. I am redeemed. I am not like I once was. And, and I, I'm still a failure in every respect. But even as a redeemed person... You cannot line me up, even on my best day, even on my greatest performance. I don't line up with God's character at all. There is something unrighteous about me. But see, God's righteousness is very, very, mm, it requires a lot of things. If you think it all the way through logically to the end, if God is truly righteous, then he only is like his character all the time. In no way does he ever bend. What else that means is if he is righteous, he must commend his own character. He must promote his own character. He must value his own character. He must esteem his own character in such a way that he broadcasts his own character. He publishes his character. It's not like that he's okay simply being himself. He must pronounce what his character is. And since he is the creator... He requires righteousness of all creatures. 
And that is our worst problem. The worst problem that we have is that God is holy and requires holiness of us because I'm fallen. And it's, a, it's not just a, if you try real hard, it could happen. It is a, it's something that has already been established that this is who I am. I'll always return my bend, okay? Have you ever taken a seedling or sapling tree and tried to shape it so that when it became a tree, it was the shape you wanted it to be? Okay. There's all kinds of stuff you can get. You can get like bendy wire and you wire the, the branches or you can get like guide wires and everything because as the, I, I heard a proverb once, it said, it's not a Bible proverb, basically as the twig is bent, so the, so the limb is inclined. So you can take a small child and train him up the way he should go and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. There is something true about that. But my character even on my best days, not like God's. There's an unrighteousness to me, but God requires perfect conformity. He said, you will be judged one day, Brian. There will be a last day of your life. You'll exhale for the last time. And when you open your eyes, you will be in judgment. And your judgment will not be on, did you try real hard? Or did you, uh, how did you do? Or did you work on this? Or did you work on this? You, I'm going to lay your life over that of my beautiful son, and it must match perfectly or there is no hope for you. Now, to hear that or some variation of that is to be prepared for the gospel. You must hear that before the gospel makes sense. The gospel here in 21 doesn't make sense really on its own. If you were just to say that now the righteousness of God without the law has been manifested, that doesn't offend me, it doesn't scare me, it doesn't anger me. It does nothing to me because I'm insensible to that. I have no, there is nothing in me that, that is afraid because I do not have any idea what God is even talking about. And if I did, I would simply think I was fine, that I'm a good person. I'm better than most people that I know, I think. What, everybody thinks that. I don't know how that's possible if everybody's better than everybody else. Everybody's better than the average, which I think is funny. Like, everybody's kids is above average. I don't know how that works. But, but that's how I think. That's how you think. That's how all of us think. But God is going to judge us based upon Christ. Now, that requires the gospel. That, if, that is true, and that's what the Bible claims, that you will be judged against Christ. And there is nothing you can do. There's no, there's no just getting your way out of it. There's no charm that you can exude to God that that will not be true because God would not be righteous unless he judged me on that righteousness. Do you see? He must, he must love his own character enough, esteem it, value it, and promote it such that he gives law. Do you see? At the very beginning in the Old Testament, you saw the righteousness of God through the law. It was the law that, you, that saw why God was... How did you know God was righteous? It was that these are the things God said... And these are the things like God. These are the things that God would do. If God were a man, what would God do? Well, if God were a man, God would do those things that are in the law. Those are the expressions of his character. Now, when you look at the law and you realize, okay, the rich young ruler, Jesus came to the rich young, or the rich young ruler came to him, what should I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know the law. What does it say? Don't steal, don't commit adultery, honor your father and mother. And the guy said, 
yeah, I've done all those. Like, I did all that. Ever since I was a kid, I've done all those things I've been done. Now, it's funny because that was the biggest lie ever spoken. But in his mind, he thought he was fine. Like, yeah, I did that. I've never, I've never really committed adultery. I've never really dishonored my parents. I've never really dis... Really, what does that mean? It means that his standard and God's standard were so different that he had no even clue. He thought he was fine. Like, if you only compare yourself to yourself... You're fine. You're 100%. If you, compare to the, if you look at the people worse than you and compare yourself to them, you're doing very well. But to compare yourself to God is to immediately fear. Okay? So the people who come to Jesus, everyone that comes to Jesus has done something first, and that's they've believed what God said about them. That's something that's common. Most people do not believe what God has said about them. If you see the verses preceding this, go back into Romans, if you have Romans open in your lap, go back to verse 9. And from verse 9 on, this is what... um, Let's go to 10. Um, Let's go from verse 10. So from verse 10, this is essentially a summing up of what uh, Paul has said about the entire world that the entire world is not right before God, that all of us, no matter whether we're religious or irreligious, whether we're cultured or ignorant, it, it does not matter. Where we're, where we're rich or poor, there is no category that you can put yourself in that makes you somehow right with God because all of us, the God has called sinners. Okay, this is from Romans 3.10. As it is written, there's none righteous. No, not one. Do you see he even, even emphasizes it? Because if he said there's none righteous, I would just say, you know, I mean, what does that mean? You know, we're all kind of, no, not not one. There's not one person that's ever lived that's earned his right to claim righteousness in front of God. Because remember what righteousness is. All of the angles is exactly the same as God's angles. Every length is the same as God's length. Morally, I'm exactly the way God is. That's what I'm claiming to be. But he's saying, no, there's not a single person that's ever lived. Jesus Christ is the only person that has ever won his reward. None else. None of us. And you think of the very best that's ever lived. You don't even have to think of Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin. You don't even have to think of that. You, you don't have to think of the worst of our examples. Every one of us, no matter how good, has not in any way kept that standard. There's none that understandeth, is verse 11, none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of their way. They're all together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. And that's an indictment. And nobody likes that. You don't, nobody likes that. You do not speak into someone's life and said, you are not good. There's no bigger insult. But see, if it's the truth, there's a problem. I can, you know, your, your cancer doctor is not doing you any favors by saying everything's fine. He's not. He's not doing you any favors by chitty-chatting with you during your, your office visit and just talking about the weather. It's, that's not helpful. It, it's not, well, you know, it's such bad news. I just, I just need to keep it to myself. No, God has actually said it. And anybody that comes to Christ, anyone that will be rescued from their sins, has come to the place where you're like, it's true. It's true about me. I, if, you, if you compare me to God, I am so undone. And the Bible says I will be compared to God. And that is my only hope. That only those 
with God's character. Only God, those righteous will enter into life. See, God cannot be the father of a righteous family with all of his children unrighteous. You, what would heaven be if it were filled with unrighteous people? It would just be earth. Do you see? Every fouling, stinking thing that we despise about where we live and this, this cesspool that we live in would simply be in heaven. If God simply said, well, you know, they can't do it. They're just made out of dust. No. God said in order for him to be righteous, he promotes his own righteousness. And his law was an expression of that righteousness. So when he requires what he is of who we are, it's not unreasonable. Just because we have never done it doesn't mean it was not reasonable. But what that would mean would be only Jesus Christ would be in heaven. And God has, has, is, is different from that. God is never unrighteous. He's never been the ever. But he has, there's something true about God that's not just his righteousness. There's as much true about God in that he is overwhelmingly loving, that he has overflowing love in his heart for us. And that's what he actually is. And for him to be two things, for him to be completely loving and fair, means that there, there is no, like you cannot be both. If you're going to be merciful, you have to look the other way. You have to look through your fingers at somebody. You cannot look at their sin. You, you cannot, or you have to bend. You have to say, okay, I'm not going to be righteous so that I can give mercy. And God can't do that. If God stopped being righteous, he would stop being God. But God so loved the world. That is the absolute miracle of miracles. He loved the world to the point where Jesus Christ came as Savior. Jesus Christ, God himself, died as a man in place of men. When God is fair, he required death as a result. The soul that sins, it shall die. Either I die or my substitute dies. And so something is amazing. The Bible now becomes one story about God not being schizophrenic. God is not two different completely opposable things. He is 100% loving, outward flowing, loving kindness. He is loving kindness that never stops. And he never is unfair. He's always righteous. And for him to be both required the death of Christ. Otherwise, Christ would never have died. It required it. There is no way that God could save us. He cannot look the other way. He would stop being God, and he can't stop being God. It, it is it's pretty amazing. So when you, when you look at the law, the law, a lot of people had a lot of problem with the law because you think, okay, I need to, you know, I've done this since my youth. Yeah, I did all these. So you Ten commandments, okay, honor God, you know, no other gods before him, okay, did that. When have you ever done that? When have you ever honored God with your whole heart? Ever? Even for a split second. I have not honored, I have not had, I've had every God in front of God. I've had every God. Things that I don't even like becomes more important than God. Things I don't even value. I have placed in front of God because I am a sinner. That's what sinners do. Do you see? So when God says, here's my standard, It is as tall as me. It's exactly righteous. So the law is righteous because it's exactly conforming with who God is. But why is it given 
if I can't keep it, if it only proves that, I, that I'm a, a lawbreaker. Do you see what God has done? For a thousand years, people had the law, realizing in their back of their head that they couldn't keep it, but what happened, it forced you to then say, I, I can't meet God's standard. I must look to God's mercy. I must seek out his mercy. God has given me mercy, and he has provided for me a savior. Do you see? The law has a big switch and switches you all the way up through the yard until you come to Jesus. That's what he does. That's the purpose of it. It's not so you can think, oh, yeah, I'm doing a good job at this and that and the other thing, or I'm better than so-and-so. What it does is it forces you to come to real terms that you haven't done it, and it forces you to the Savior. The Savior is the righteousness of God without the law. And we're going to look at that next week. That's that, we're going to look at that much, much more contained uh, next week. So that, you know, that's the problem. If we were to have kept the law, we would be righteous. This is from Deuteronomy 6.25. So this is at the end where the law has been given and the law has been restated. So in chapter 6, you know, the, the Ten Commandments has been stated again in chapter 5. Chapter 6, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. That's, this is this chapter. And at the end of this chapter, here is the law that I gave you, okay? And this is what Moses said. And it shall be our righteousness, the law, if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Do you see? We would be righteous if we could keep the law, but we cannot keep the law. It only condemns us. Since we've broken it, then it only reminds us that we're unrighteous. It only, it only basically announces to the world that our angles are not the same, our links are not the same, and God and I have nothing at all to do with each other. We are dissimilar in every way. Well, then that should be the end of it. If this were the end of the Bible, there would be misery for everyone. There would be no hope. There would be no bliss. There would be no rest. It would only be we simply live out our lives with our families and our jobs and our Disneyland and our whatever, Okay? until our last breath, and then we go to, to eternal damnation. Do you see? We would only have threat, and we would only try to eat, be, drink, and be merry for, for tomorrow we die. We would have no hope. But see, God is not just. I, I don't say this without being hip, uh, blasphemous. He's not just righteous. He's perfectly righteous, but he's perfectly loving, and his love is extended in mercy to sinners. And he, he went to the extreme that Christ died in our place. And that, that is an enormous thing. So I'm just going to, to end with just a statement, and then that'll be kind of the cliffhanger. And then the next time that, that I speak, we'll go on from there in this verse, okay? So there is a righteousness from God, okay? And when you say of God, I think that's cool because even English there's two ways you can think about it. You, to have something of God means it's from God, and if you have the righteousness of God, it's the righteousness that is God. Do you see? Because God is not just righteous. He's not just righteous. He is righteousness. That's different. It's not just you don't describe him as righteous. So, for instance, this is Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all of his works. 
Okay? So in this case, it's an adjective. It's describing him like he's this way. He's righteous. But he's more than just righteous. He is righteousness. This is Jeremiah chapter 9. Okay? One verse in 24. Jeremiah 9, 24. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight. Okay? Josh, could you put that one up? Jeremiah 9, 24. Okay? Look at this at the end. For I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. These are the three things God says is absolutely true about him at the same time. And if you look at him, you're like, how can they be true at the same time? If he, if he exercises loving kindness, that is love that's extended to you. Like love on purpose towards you. That's loving kindness. That's what he says is completely true of him. God also says he's completely true of him is his judgment. That his judgment is he's going to act accordingly to anyone unrighteous. That there will be judgment to anyone unrighteous. And that his righteousness he will not bend. There's no curve he'll ever grade on. He will never in any way look the other way. He'll always be exactly who he is. His angles will always match. But he's also loving kindness and he's also judgment. Now this is hard because what that means is in order for him to be righteous and loving and judge, we must go to hell. That's 100% unless you want to add the most unbelievable thing that's ever been uttered in the world. And then that's Jesus Christ who lived flawlessly, perfectly, and infinitely. He infinitely pleased God. He infinitely suffered. And God is satisfied. And this verse says that this righteousness of God without the law is manifested. So we'll look at continue that and see what in the world does this means and how this means to us. But I believe that there's been enough gospel presented to where you're like, Oh, Lord Jesus, I had no idea that I've offended you. Lord Jesus, I had no idea who you were. I had no idea how I've offended a holy, holy, holy God. I had no idea that you would have expected me to truly be like you. I thought everything was fine. Would you rescue me? Would you rescue me through the Savior that you've offered to me? That it's been manifested, it's in your face that God has shown you mercy because that's who God is. And as he prepares us, he changes us. So I would ask that as we continue in this study, that you'll read through Romans 3 100,000 times and pray over it, pray on your knees over it, and thank the Lord for it. And search yourself. I'll search myself. And we'll see in what way are we not righteous and that we have a righteous Savior that counts for us. And that when you go to heaven, you will wear white, we saw today. Why? Because Jesus earned it for you. Amen.